Thank you so much, ladies. You know what? We are just blessed. I mean, we, we were moved, I hope you were moved, by the video and by the presentation with safe families and the fact that we're a part of that is just incredible as the people stood up. The worship team just did an incredible job. And I, you probably haven't noticed, but we preachers notice things like this. The choir has just exploded. And Dan, Dave is just great, dude. It's full. Yeah, I mean, I'm, it's a blessing, man. I'm telling you. And uh, Dave, uh, Dave did an incredible job singing. The ladies just did well. It's a good day at Dorisville, and we're so glad that you are here today. And I really pray, here's what we want. We want you to leave encountering God and with something to take home from God that will help you as you journey through life. Now, we're in week number two of a series that we're calling Sweet Temptation, and that's U-I-T-S-U-I-T-E, and it's like a collection of things. And we're looking at five sermons that deal with the topic of temptation. And I kind of want to do just a little bit of review from last week because I think it's really important, particularly after what the world calls this Halloween celebration, where sometimes Satan's portrayed as a little red man with a pointed tail and a pitchfork and a couple of horns, and we kind of make fun of him. And, and we're kinda, we've kind of learned something here, and that is when Jesus says something, we kind of go along with him. You know, like Andy Stanley says, when, when you have a man who can predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off, you just kind of go with what Jesus says. And, and Jesus believed in a literal devil. To him, it was not some mythological creature. It was a literal devil, a literal creature. And so we're going to go with that. And we learned last week that he was created. In other words, in order to be created, there had to be a creator. And that he was an angel in heaven, perhaps even involved in the worship on the holy mountain of God amongst the fiery stones. We learned that last week. But, but we don't want to oversell Satan. Um, first off, again, note that he is created, which means there's someone greater that created. And he's not omnipresent, okay? That is, he cannot be everywhere. He can only be in one place. Lots of demons follow him, but he can only be in one place. Um, he's not omniscient, and that is, he doesn't know everything. Um, God knows everything, but Satan does not know everything. And he's not omnipotent, that is, all-powerful. Um, he is a very formidable foe, but he is not all-powerful. So, so we certainly don't want to oversee sell him, but nor do we want to undersell him in the sense that you need to know he is a formidable foe. He's a very strong foe, but we live and we have a part in the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Satan is defeated today because of the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Christ followers, we walk along in that very victory. So, so we don't want to oversell and we don't want to undersell who he is. Now, we talked about last week, and you'll probably hear this for the next three more weeks after this is the job description, the mission of, of the devil. And Jesus said it. He said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. So he wants, he wants uh, to get at the father, I think, probably. Uh, you know, someone once said, if you want to hurt a dad, you attack the kids. And so, so perhaps for that reason, he, he really wants Christians to struggle. Um, he wants to deprive us of our joy. Um, he understands that a Christian who does not experience the joy that God intended, a Christian that lives in defeat instead of victory, is not an effective witness in this world. So he wants us to stumble and fall. He wants to deprive us um, of the power that God wants to give us. And he, he knows that we are so limited in what we can do. 
So he can't touch God. And by the way, when I say he can't touch God and he, gets, he gigs God through, through us, through his children, I want you to understand what I mean by that. I, God's up in heaven going, I just can't believe they failed again. I just can't believe Dwayne can't get it right. That is not what I mean. I mean God loves me. I mean God wants me so much to live in this victory that was blood-bought by the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross and administered through his amazing grace. And when he sees us living less than that, I do believe it grieves his heart. It grieves our heart because his children are not experiencing all that he wants us and desires for us to experience. And, and then this, and then this is so big, because so I know, I know, and it's not right, but some of you guys maybe, you know, I, we talked about in Judgment House how sin is anything that offends God, and the fact that you might be offending God probably doesn't cross your brain too much. It really ought to, but it probably doesn't cross your brain too much. But here's what I want you to take home, is that sin has serious consequences. It really does. And that should worry, that should concern you. If, if no other reason why to listen to these series of messages on temptation is because it impacts you personally. Families have been destroyed. Marriages have been destroyed. Um, so many things have happened because of sin. And, and because sin has a serious consequences. So that's a very good reason to kind of listen to um, these messages and apply them. You benefit personally when you understand that through the Holy Spirit, you can live in victory. That, that the devil doesn't have to make you do it. Okay? And that's the one of the benefits of being a Christ follower. Now, so how does, how does sin happen? How does this thing, temptation, and how does it, how does it happen? Well, very often, um, now there are some times when, you know, you're leaving the parking lot and one of our dear brothers and sisters pulls right out in front of you and, and in a burst of anger, you you know, so sin, sin can't happen like that. But generally speaking, the pro, there's a process that we go through with temptation that leads to a sin. Um, for the life of me, I can't remember where I read this. And I asked Judy, and she couldn't really remember either. I went through all my devotional material and could not find it. But a man went to see a pastor, and uh, the man had fallen into sin. He was in the midst of coming out of an affair. And he was kind of, you know, what we do, the blame game. I'm a victim. I didn't mean for it to happen, which I thought very interesting, by the way. I did a little research, and even psychology today a very liberal, secular publication did an article on the fact that affairs just don't happen. <laughs> They're usually planned. <laughs> They're usually planned. And this gentleman, you know, he says, well, I, preacher, I just don't know what happened. I just, I just don't know how I got here. And, and so the preacher said, well, tell me how it started. What, what happened? He said, well, this lady was at work. And one day I walked into the office and I said to myself, wow, she's really cute. And so the preacher said, well, well, what happened after that? He said, well, I noticed at about 10 o'clock she would go to the break room for coffee. And coincidentally, I found myself taking my break about the time when I knew she would be in the break room. Really, the preacher said. Well, what happened then? He said, well, we had a business trip. And, and we were going to Las Vegas. And so you know, we, I thought it would be advantageous for her to be on my team. And so I asked my boss, he asked me to go to Las Vegas and lead this trip, and he said, um, do you mind if so-and-so be on my team? And so the boss agreed, and so this team went to Las Vegas, and this lady was part of that team. Preacher said, really? What else happened? He said, well, we got out to Las Vegas, and of course, we decided we'd go out as a team to supper, and... 
coincidentally, every time we had supper or lunch, it just seemed like I sat next to her. And the preacher said, really? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what happened. Well, what happened next? He said, well, one night, we just had to work a little bit later, and the rest of the team went back to the hotel, and I decided that I would, you know, we work a little bit later, and oh, it was just me and her. And since we were in the habit of going out to supper together as a team, it just seemed logical that the team was smaller, but we went out to supper together late one night. And he goes, really? And what happened next? He said, well, it just seemed the safe thing to do to walk her back to her hotel room. And, and she said, and he said, when we got there, she invited me in to check something. And, well, that's how it happened. And the preacher said, so it didn't just happen, did it? Sin rarely just happens. We are lying to ourselves and we're fooling ourselves, most likely, and generally speaking, in the bigger consequential sins, there is a process that we go through to get there. Andy Stanley also said this. He said, you know, rarely do we just walk away from God. Normally what happens is we behave ourselves away from God. And you're going to find as you journey through life, and perhaps you know all too well already that that's true with sin. That we have a process we go through and we end up with some very dire consequences because we went through this process of, of, of temptation and ending up with sin. So what we want to do today is take a look at James chapter 1 and verse number 12 through 16. And then we're just going to put a bow on it with Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7, 8. Now, I personally feel this. Regardless of how good I do presenting the material today, this material deserves your attention. I mean, it really does. This could be a game saver for you. Um, some of you are going to be looking back and going, yep, that's how it happened. Some of you, you know that there's something in your life that's set up to happen unless you take that domino out, the domino effect's going to happen, and you're going to find yourself in a very, very serious situation. So regardless of the pastor and his ability to deliver the material today, this deserves your attention today. Now, these are wonderful scriptures. It's written by James, the half-brother of Jesus, which is pretty incredible if you think about that at all. And the Bible says, and James says, in verse number 12, and he says this, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, I was sitting there. Do you ever have an aha moment with God? Yeah, well, this happened today. I was studying this. I told Judy my goal would be if this passage of Scripture was a, a plate of ribs. You know it's going to have food. If it was a plate of ribs, then when we got done, there'd be no meat left on the bones. That would be my goal today. And so I was, I've, I've been thinking about this and crock-potting it and writing and studying and reading devotion materials on it. And so we're, we're going along this morning, and it just really just went, duh, real big. The word blessed there is the same word that Jesus used in the Beatitudes. Blessed is this person, blessed is that person, blessed is this person. And normally, we, we give a little short definition called happiness. Happy. Not, not happiness in the world, but happiness in God. And so, happy is the man. Happy is the man. Happy is the man. But one of the commentaries, and I almost missed this, one of the commentaries pointed out that it's a joy that is found in a place of joy and safety, peace and safety. It's a place where a person finds themselves with God, with peace 
and with safety. So, so the Bible, you could say then that this verse says this. The person who finds himself in a place with God of peace and safety endures temptation. The person who finds himself in a position of peace and safety with God endures temptation. And that word endures means to, means to, um, to live victoriously through the process of being tempted. And by the way, you will be tempted. You will be tempted as you go through life. Temptation is not a sin. Yielding to temptation is. So the Bible's James says, now we, we find ourselves, we can find ourselves in this place, and that's very important, so remember for later, we find ourselves in this place of peace and safety, and with that process, we can endure, we can, ha- we can sustain ourselves through the process of temptation. For when he has been approved, not if, but when he has been approved, when he is victorious. Now listen, look at it. You can't be victorious. You don't have it in you. You didn't have it in you to gain God's favor and salvation. You don't have it within you to keep yourself saved. And you don't have it within you to live a victorious Christian life. It is 100% and totally God. And in this case, it's the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. The Holy Spirit is just hugely important in this. He's our strength. He's our power. He's our counselor. Is He the one who gives us the ability to say no to temptation? You know, listen to a verse. I love this verse. When, When Jesus was talking to Peter, here's what it says. Peter, Peter, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you have turned back, when you get the victory over this situation, strengthen your brothers. So we, because of the Holy Spirit, it's a done deal. We had the ability to be victorious through Christ over this thing called temptation. And when this happens, we get what was called the crown of life. The crown of life. And I had a suspicion there was something there that was very important. And it is. And it is. Because normally we think of crowns, what do we think about? Heaven. You know, one day, if I'm faithful, I'll get this crown. If I'm faithful, I'll get this crown. There's the pastor's crown. There's the shepherd's crown. There's the crown, the crown, the crown. And that's true. But you know what else it is? The crown of life is here. It's here. It's the second part of that John 10.10. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. The thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But I have come, Jesus speaking, Jesus has come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. So when we find ourselves in this place, and we're going to talk about this later on. When we find ourselves in this place of safety and peace, we have the, the ability through Christ and through the Holy Spirit to endure temptation. We can be victorious, and we will receive that, that thing we so crave, or should crave, and that is the abundant life. It's that richness of life that we find here. I'm glad for heaven, but I'm grateful as your pastor and as a teacher of the word of God, I can look you in the eye and tell you that there is peace and there is victory and there's abundance in this sinful world that we live in. Why? Because of Christ. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within every believer in Jesus Christ. So we have this crown of life that he has promised us. Very, very powerful. Now, he leads us into the next segment because he knows the tendency for us to play the blame game. Here's what it says. 
Let no one say when he is tempted. When he is tempted. So, so it's going to happen. If you are a Christ follower, you are going to be tempted. In fact, let me just say this. Probably it's accurate to say that the, the deeper you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ, the more Satan would love to have you. If you go out and live like the world and people wouldn't know if you sinned or not because it's, a, it's just a common thing in your life, probably Satan's not, or his demons are not going to mess with you very much. But the more deeper we desire to be like Christ. I think this church, by the way, is a target. I think this, you know why I think this church is a target? Because of our heart has the heart of God at heart. I think because safe families. I think because of back to school. I think those things that we are trying to reach out. We just don't, we're trying not to talk only Jesus. We're trying to be and do Jesus in our community. And that makes, it's, it's got to make Satan mad some. It's got to make his demons mad some. And, and so I think we need to be very acutely aware of this because, man, I tell you what, he would love to put a bullseye on our chest and target us. We must be careful. Amen? We must be careful. You must be careful. Our staff must be careful. Because I do believe somewhere on the list, we're on Satan's bullseye list. So when you are tempted, he says, um, no one should say that I am tempted by God. Now, we all have this propensity to play the blame game. Uh, this, is, this is one of the uh, sicknesses in our society. Everybody's a victim. If you're going 95, down, 95 miles an hour down the road and you get pulled over, it's not my fault. I'm a victim. You know, it, whatever it is, over and over again we hear, it's not my fault, it's not my fault, it's not my fault. I'm blameless, I'm blameless, I'm blameless. We have that. And, and James had some people who were trying to say, listen, listen, listen. Yeah, I'm tempted and I give in, but I'm tempted because God tempts me. And James says, let no one say that you are tempted by God. And we're going to hear why in just a moment. See, we have a real tendency to make excuses. See if any of these sound familiar. It's the other person's fault. You know, he insulted me, and that's why I'm angry and mad. Uh, she said in my seat, um, they didn't ask me to be a deacon. They, they didn't ask me to teach a class. They did ask me to teach a class. You know, what, whatever. It's not my fault. It's the other person's fault. Um, I couldn't help it. I, I just couldn't help it. I couldn't. I, <laughs> oh, I cannot resist this opportunity. You need, if you don't go to Sunday school, you should. In fact, you probably ought to come to our Sunday school class. Because Brother Charlie Holland shared his heart today. I did not know this about Charlie. Charlie has an intense craving for Chips Ahoy. He says when he sees that blue bag, he just... <laughs> and man who tries to hide them, and he tries to find them. You know, loves Chips Ahoy. I, I, Charlie, I couldn't help myself. I've got, I've got the Chips Ahoy. And of all the cookies in the world, Chips Ahoy would not be mine. I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it wouldn't be mine. Um, it was just a mistake. Now, you know, guys, when you forget to change the oil in your car and you blow your engine up, that's a mistake. When you misbalance the checkbook and you've got a thousand, you don't have a thousand you thought you had, that's a mistake. When you have an affair, when you lie, when you steal, when you cheat, it's not a mistake, it's called sin. We are not mistakers, we are sinners. But again, in the excuse thing, it was just a mistake. Um, how about this? Um, everybody's doing it. Students, have you heard that one? Everybody's doing it. Um, how about this one? Um, nobody's perfect. How about, I didn't know it was wrong. Um, the devil made me do it. 
Um, I was pressured into it. I felt intense peer pressure. The boss said if I didn't, he would. See, so there's, there's plenty and there's lots of excuses. You know, you know again, and you see it in the garden. I mean, in the garden, after they had sinned, and God said to Adam, you know, what's up, dude? Well, that's a loose translation, but, but what is up? And so, and so Adam goes, well, you see, God, it's the woman that you gave me. See, see God, this is not my fault at all. I am simply a victim of circumstances here. The two culprits in this is not me, it's you and the woman. And men, we've been doing it ever since, by the way. Been doing it ever since, okay? So, so Adam could say something like this. You know, he'd say, well, now God, I'll tell you what. If you're willing to apologize and set things straight, and if the woman's willing to apologize and set it straight, we may put this whole matter behind us. It wasn't God's fault. Come on. It wasn't God's fault. In fact, it wasn't the woman's fault. It was Adam's fault. Because Adam was not a mistaker, he became a sinner. A sinner. So he turns to the woman and says, so what's up, Eve? You know, it was not my fault, it was the serpent. And the serpent's just over there smiling. He's happy about the whole gig, about the whole thing. So we just had this propensity then that we sin against holy God. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. No, there's two things you need to know. James gives us two things. First off, he says this. For God cannot be tempted by evil. I mean, this, this would be a good thing for us to hear. God is repulsed by evil. God hates evil. And the closer we can get to that being a reality in our life as a believer, the better off we are. Frankly put, we like our sin too much. Just be blunt. We like our sin too much. You know, the Bible says in the book of Numbers, it says sin has pleasure for a season. And there's just a certain amount of pleasure if I can gig you when you need to get gigged because you gigged me once. There's a certain amount of pleasure when, when that, that desire, that lust comes alive and I can have it fulfilled. If we could get to the point where God is that we are repulsed by evil, we'd be a long way down the road. We need to be like liver. Y'all know I like food. I'm, me and food have been friends since I was two months old. But there's just a few things in life that I don't like. About four or five, actually. You know, liver and onions is an incredible thing. I know, I'm with you, dude. But have you noticed it smells pretty good? Now, I'm just telling you now, I would come home from school, and about 4 o'clock, Mama would start supper, and she was a big believer in liver, something to do with blood or something. And so she'd be cooking this liver, and it smelled good. And it did, and it still does. And I don't know how many times I've gone back and tried it. I don't know if it's the texture, how it feels in my mouth. I don't know if it's the tongue. But I can look you dead in the eye and tell you I am repulsed by liver. And we need that way with sin. When it rolls around in our mouth, we ought to vomit it out. Hate sin. Hate sin because of what it does. Hate sin for the price it cost our Savior. Be repulsed by evil. 
So, so the Bible says that, that God um, cannot be tempted by evil because of that. Now, he also says this. Nor does he himself tempt anyone. God is not in the tempting business. Now, I'm going to throw you a real paradox out, but just a quick look at the scriptures will confirm what I'm fixing to say is true. That God does allow Satan certain leeway in tempting. Case in point, Luke chapter 4. We'll be studying it, I think, next week. The Bible says that that, um, Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted. Here's the deal, though. Why would a good God allow his children to be in a situation of being tempted by the evil one? For the same reason he gave you free will. He gave you free will because he didn't want a bunch of robots in heaven mechanically worshiping him. He wanted you under his grace to say, I want to worship God. He allows this this temptation to come with the evil one so that your faith might be stretched and grown. He, the one way, an incredible way for our faith to be grown is when we have to depend on God. We have to lean on God. And you say, well, that still don't sound fair. You've got to remember one thing. It's a done deal. Again, if you yield to temptation, it's because you want to. I'm sorry, but the Holy Spirit lives within you, and he is more powerful than anything Satan can throw your way. Say he's not, God's not being unfair to you. God is not putting you in an unwinnable situation. Victory can be yours every stinking single time because of the power of God that lives within you. He wants your faith in him to grow strong. So then you say, well, how come then Jesus was tempted? His faith didn't need strengthening. Hebrews and chapter 4 verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus was tempted for our benefit. Dwayne, yes sir, as I was victorious, you are victorious. And I'm not going to just tell you that. I'm going to show you that. And we'll look at that next week. Friend, I am telling you that with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we are victors in Christ Jesus. We are victorious over sin in the grave because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ. We've got, listen, we, now listen, you know I'm saying we. And I'd be right down there in the chair listening listen to the sermon with you. We have got to understand, it's about time the church wake up and understand the power that we have and get over this. I can't because of this, and I can't because of that, and I'm, I'm a loser, and, and I can't, and, and, and it's, I, it's nobody's fault, I just sin. We're victorious. Amen. We're victorious in Him. It's not something you've got to muster up. You are victorious if you're a follower, follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. How about that, huh? That should encourage you. See, it's not us. Never was us. Never will be us. It's him, him, him. So it is. So, so James says, now listen, God cannot be tempted with evil. It's repulsive to him. He himself will not tempt anyone. All right? That's just the way it is. He says this. But here's how it happens. Verse 14. 
But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. James gives us a play by play. See that word drawn away? It means to be dragged out. Dragged out. Now let's read it one more time. Each one is tempted when he is pulled out, when he's dragged away by his own desires. Now let's go back. I told you this is important. Remember what the word blessed means? Living in a place of peace and safety with God. Now I don't know a whole lot about hunting or fishing. But I do know this. That those big old bass that you and I sometimes fish hard for. They spend their time in a hiding place. Sometimes it's in lily pads. Sometimes it's among the brush there. And they hide there. The way they got to be big old bass is they learned a place of safety. Bucks. Bucks get big because they learn to outsmart you. And they find themselves, they're what they call it, bedded up. The big bucks will bed up. And they'll be in the... I, I remember one story. I think Adrian told me one time that the big old 12-point buck he was after was right in the middle of a brush pile. Why? It was a place of safety. Until something drags them out. And in this case, the Bible says, each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires. For Mr. Buck, it's a doe. It's not only a doe... It's a doe in heat. Does in heat make big bucks lose their brain. Am I right? And so Mr. Buck is in his place of safety. And Miss Doe walks along letting her sin out. And that old buck loses his brain and gets out of his place. He's drawn away from his place of safety and chases his desire. Mr. Big Bass is in his place of safety and you cast an old hoolie popper because he's right there in the lily pads and you take your rod and roll and you jerk that pole and it goes blah, 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 blah. and it sounds just like a frog in the water, a wounded frog in the water and Mr. Big Bass says, I like really big frogs and so he leaves his place of safety and he eats an artificial frog. What pulls him out of his place of safety? Desires. I'm telling you this. God wants us to stay in the place of safety and peace. He wants us, listen, He wants us as close to Him, intertwined with Him, and so that when our desires come, our, we don't lose our brain, and we don't say, I want that so bad, He wants us entwined with Him so we won't leave. Because when we leave, we end up on somebody's wall. We either are stuffed as a bass or the head of a buck, but we end up on somebody's wall. So when we are tempted, he's pulled away by his own desires and he's enticed. Again, apparently the picture, the best picture would be not only, again, that hooli popper, that hooli popper has to be, you know, sound like a wounded frog. I mean, you know, when, let's say there's, there's Joe and Bert in this lily pad. And you cast it out there and you don't know what you're doing. Like me. And I blah, blah, blah. And Joe looks at Bert and says, 
That silly fisher guy. I know that's a plastic frog. I'm not going to get caught for that. You've got to make it sound real. You boys go out there and you camouflage yourselves. And I don't know this. I only watched them duck hunters a couple of times. But they got this deer stuff that makes you smell like a girl. Something like that. I don't know exactly how it works. But you either, now you don't put it on, you don't put it on you, do you? I think you sprinkle it around. And, and it's, and it's got to smell a lot like a doe for the buck to leave the brush pile and say, come on. You, you duck hunters, you get there and, and you do that so the duck will say, hey, that sounds like my buddy's down there. Let's go visit a while. So we've got to, when we're tempted, when we're tempted, we've got to learn to hear the truth. We got to learn that that's not what it appears to be. And then that comes, by the way, by the Holy Spirit. That big fat worm is not as good as it looks because in that big fat worm is a hook. And this real devil I'm telling you about wants to hook you and pull you away from God and put you on his wall. Can I have a witness? I'm telling you, our churches are filled with people and men and women, not only just talking about, again, affairs. I'm not talking about affairs. I know I, well, let, me, let me tell you what happened to me. Because we are not wise of the devil and his techniques and desires. So that will be talked about again in a sermon coming up. But we have got to be acutely aware of this process. So each one is tempted. He's drawn away. He's pulled away. He's dragged away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desires conceived, when you get up out of the brush pile, when you leave the lily pads, it gives birth to sin. When it goes, now listen, listen. When it goes from thought to action, you're in deep weeds. When it goes from thought to action, when he gives way to his desires, he gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth what? Death. I said this once before, and I'll say it again for you. Anything sin touches dies. Some of you celebrate five and six Christmases because you yielded to a temptation and you got three families going on or two families going on. Some of you used to have a job that you don't have anymore because you yielded to a sin. Some of you used to have a reputation in this community and you've got it no more because of sin. Sin touches, things die. And we've got to wise up. We've got to wise up. Sin has consequences, and Satan wants you deprived of joy, and he wants you suffering the stinking consequences of sin when Jesus Christ died that we get the victory over sin. We've got to wise up. We've got to understand that Christ died that we may have this victory that I'm teaching about today. And it is in Christ Jesus. He goes on and says this. So, dear brothers... Do not be deceived, my beloved brother. Do not be deceived, my beloved brother. The bottom line is, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived like the guy, the buck who loses, leaves the brush pile. Don't be deceived like the big bass that leaves the lily pad. Stay in your place. Stay in your place of peace and safety with God. You've heard the adage before that says, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Satan will sell you that the grass is greener on the other side. It is not. Come on now. 
Satan will sell to you that the grass is greener than what you got. When Judy and I came back from Germany, money was tight. This is 1984, I'm sorry, 1980, and money was really tight. And we got one of them things in the mail. Now remember, we're talking 34 years ago. We got one of those things in the mail. And it said this. If I would drive about an hour toward Kansas City, that these nice people, if I would take a tour of their resort property, would give me a grandfather clock. Now, y'all know, well, a lot of y'all don't know, but I like clocks. I've got several in my house. I like the, the, the traditional old-timey clocks you wind up. Now, we can no more afford to buy a piece of property than the man in the moon. I mean, it wasn't even, there ain't no bank going to loan me money. So I, I said, Judy, we can't buy anything because we ain't got no money. Let's go get us a free grandfather clock. So we went there and we pulled up you know, in the little parking lot. Hi, sir, how are you? Dwayne and Judy, yes, we have you on the schedule. And so we went and did their little tour of about an hour. We did that, you know. And, and they sat us down and said, now, what do you think? I said, well, sir, I ain't got no money. I can't buy your property. Oh, oh, we got special financing and on and on. For about another hour, they tried to convince me that I could buy something that I didn't have any money for. So finally they gave up. And I said, what about my grandfather clock? <laughs> they said, yes, sir. No problem. And they bring out a box about this long. Yeah, it was one of them little plastic Grandfather clocks. Electric, where the little pendulum. Mm, mm, mm. Was I mad that day? You remember this? Shoot that thing, son. I was flat mad. Listen, it sounded so good. Too good to be true. I remember when I was in, in Cobden and I kept seeing this advertisement. Big deal. Free heat machine. Call this number. I said, Free? They can't mean free. So I called the number. I said, sir, I burn wood and you say you've got a free heat machine. How do I get it? They said, no, 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 sir. That's the name of the product. You've got to buy it. <laughs> Too good to be true. Listen, listen, look at me now. Look at me now. When Satan sells you a product, it's not true. It is too good to be true because it's not true. Don't be deceived. She's not worth it. He's not worth it. It's not worth it. If it was worth it, God would give it to you. We serve a God. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. He gives us what's good. Satan gives us what's bad. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. How does that happen? How does that work out? Well, two things that kind of two. First off, this you know, declare your dependency. Look, 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 look me out. You need God. You need a God the day you finally realize that Jesus died for you, and without Him, you're going to split hell wide open. You needed God's amazing grace. You needed God. You're dependent on Him. The dependency, oh, this is good. The dependency does not stop on the day of your salvation, it continues. 
You need God. You need God in your marriage. You need God as a parent, students. You need, you need God as you have relationships with your mom and your dad. And as you do life, we are not just dependent on one day. We are dependent every day. So declare your dependency every day. Say, God, I need you. And then build your defenses. Build your defenses. Build that, maintain not only dependency, but that relationship. It took me, you can't fire me. I need the job. It, I was a pastor probably 15 years before I finally figured out I needed a daily quiet time. I was a preacher. I studied the word of God. I thought that I somehow could get by with just a, hey, God, bless my day, and I'll study at the office for my sermon. It took me 15 years to figure out I needed a relationship that could only be found in the quiet time somewhere, just me and God reading His Word and talking to Him. And you do. Build that relationship. Set boundaries. Set boundaries. I don't have time to go over that today, but maybe sometime like in next year we'll talk about that again. Set your guardrails. I love fireproof. When the man could not control his passion on the computer, he took it out in the yard and beat it to death. Set your boundaries. If you can't stay off certain channels, get rid of the channels. If you can't, if you can't stay off the channels, get rid of your television. It's worth it. It's worth it. You can't keep your eyes off on her. Change jobs. I'm, Dwayne, you're a little bit passionate today. After 32 years of ministry, I have seen what sin does. As a believer for 39 years, I've seen what sin does. It's about time we wake up and realize the horrible consequences of sin. And we're missing the abundant life that God has called us to. So, so set, your, set your boundaries. Listen to your radar. Have you ever... Something didn't feel right. And you couldn't really explain it. You may have changed directions. You, you may have done this. You may have done that. The radar I'm talking about is not the one with the dial spinning around. It's that blessed, sweet Holy Spirit again. The Holy Spirit can be your radar. The Holy Spirit... Will speak. Now, he doesn't shout as too often. Just like Elijah, he, he's that still small voice. When, when God said, the Holy Spirit, God said to Elijah, What are you doing here? If you'll listen, he'll talk to you. Listen, watch your radar screen. Well, Dwayne, I'm just going to trust my heart. Foolish. The word of God says in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says that the heart is desperately wicked. And who can know it? I'll trust my brain. Don't do it. Your brain is the manufacturer of, of lies and deceit that Satan will attack unless you're equipped with the Holy Spirit. Be careful. Listen to your radar. When, when something's telling you to back away, for goodness sake, back away. It wasn't that tragedy. Was it four or five people that were killed this week when they went around a guardrail, a, a guard for a train thing, and four in the car were killed and one bypasser was killed by flying debris? And they said it, Tim, they said it. She went around the gate. 
The lights were flashing. Warning! Do not go there! The gate's down, trying to block the way. And she drives around and he drives around it. And death occurs. Your blessed God, your blessed Holy Spirit, your blessed Savior will give you those warning lights and gates. Don't ignore them. Because he wants you so badly to experience not only the crown of life there, but the crown of life here. Now let me just close with a word of warning. And that's Galatians chapter 6. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. In other words... You're not the exception. You know, if you're here today, and while I'm preaching this message, you're going back, and you're going, I remember the day I was so incredibly stupid. I don't know how it happened. I just, I can't believe I was that stupid. Well, got news for you. And you know it already probably. There's hope. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love it. I love it. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And and should he fall, should he fall, he's not utterly cast down because God will pick him up with his strong arm. The end's not the end with grace. I said the end is not the end with grace. Now, there's always a few rock chuckers, but they'll get over it eventually. (laughs) So if you're here today and you're going back, yeah, I was incredibly stupid, just celebrate God's grace today. Just celebrate His grace. There's a a group I'm more worried about than that. And you're sitting here going, never happened to me. No, sir. No, I'm, I'm rock solid. Take your shirt off, sir. Go out there and get you a magic marker. And put your big old bullseye on your chest. Because you're going to get shot. Satan has got you in the sides. Because buddy pride go up before a fall. That's the group I'm worried about. If each one of us will understand who Christ is. And, and, and the authority of Christ. The, the demise of Satan. If we will be wise with the Holy Spirit. And, and put these boundaries. And build this relationship. And listen to our radar. We have that victory. We have that victory. I almost said we can have. We have that victory in that place of safety with Christ Jesus. Would you bow your heads, please? I want to thank you. Listen, guys, thank you for listening. To that. This is hugely important. Now, we didn't have a lot of the gospel. I referenced the cross um, over here. We had a lot of gospel, but the cross gospel. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, Oh, that today would be that day. You say, Dwayne, I've tried. I know that's the problem. We try. We can't do it. You know, I, I use this verse all three nights. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, here it is, believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How incredible. But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. For us. How incredible. 
So today, if you've never trusted Christ, if, if you've never had this assurance that you're a friend of God by his grace, Brother Brent will be standing down front, and we'd love to share you about our best friend. We did that six or 700 people this week. We shared the great news of Jesus Christ. If you're here today, and in your past, there's that incredibly stupid moment. Well, remember what Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. You leave in the past that where it needs to be. And, and it, it makes you kind of wiggly when a preacher talks like he did today. Just remember this. It's a testimony of grace. You are testimony of God's amazing grace. Isn't that incredible? It really is. But if you're here today and you think you're infallible, if you're here today and pride's telling you, I don't need this because it never will, find your way to the altar today and say, God, please forgive my pride. Lord, I need you. I'm dependent on you today. If there's anything else we can pray with you about today, we would love to do that. Deacons will be down here at the front. Now, this is one of those messages, I'm not going down there. They may think, well, we heard it today from also from our Sunday school teacher. Does it really matter what they think? Does it really matter? No. No, it doesn't. God, you are so incredibly good today. Thank you. As you inspired James to write that this was included, Father, in your word. I want to thank you today that victory is ours through Christ. May we no longer fall demise to Satan and his schemes. Now, we know we're not that smart. But Holy Spirit, I believe and I know you are. Give us that wisdom that we need. Lord, have you spoken to hearts today? Holy Spirit, it is you who draw men and women to the Savior. It is you who reveals truth. We believe that. We trust that. I'm asking you to speak to the hearts today. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.